This is KBLA Talk 1580, and you are listening to You've Got to Be Hungry with Les Brown, who uh, is in the midst of a month-long radio residency exclusively on KBLA Talk 1580. And we are honored and delighted that he chose this station for Black History Month, uh, or as he would put it, uh, the month where we celebrate our greatness all month long, every weekday. Uh, we are bringing you a master class being taught by the great motivator, Les Brown. Um, we have uh, had Les uh, download us so far uh, with the following themes. It's possible. It's necessary. It's hard. It's you. And today's theme, it's worth it. Les Brown, how are you today, sir? I'm doing great. I'm doing better than good, better than most, and sometimes better than that. <laughs> good to have you on. Good to be in dialogue with you. And uh, again, we are getting such great response um, to your sharings every day. Uh, and uh, we've been building up to this to this day um, where we uh, will hear you address this notion of it being worth it. Uh, later in this hour, um, a couple of questions uh, we will pose to Les. Uh, if you want to send a question for Les Brown, go to our website, kbla1580.com. Um, you cannot miss right on the homepage at the top, the Ask Les button. Just click it on and uh, it will take you to a page where you can type in your question for Les Brown, as many of you have. Or you can go to our app and use the open mic feature. Uh, to audibly record a question for Les, which we uh, certainly have the capacity and the ability and would love to play uh, your voice on the radio asking your particular question of Les Brown. That said, I now uh, yield the microphone to the gentleman from Liberty City, Les Brown, to commence today's master class entitled, It's Worth It. Thank you very much. I want everybody to think about their goals and their dreams. And as you think about them, this is a very important assignment right now. What's the number one reason why you want it? Your reason must be strong. It must be powerful because you're going to get pushback. You're going to fail your way to success. Things are going to happen to you that you cannot anticipate. And, and the person that I'm thinking about now is John H. Johnson. Mm. who he created Ebony Magazine and Jet Magazine. He, he created the Fashion Fair, beauty, Supreme Beauty Products. He, he created ne the Negro Digest. He, he employed over 2,600 people, and he did it against all odds. He had all kind of lawsuits against him. He had financial difficulties, and somebody asked him the question, what kept you going? And he said something that I could identify with. He said, I refuse to let my mother down. His mother gave him a $500 loan. And he said, Mama, I promise you, I won't disappoint you. And so because of that commitment, because of that reason, even when he had severe opposition, he wrote a book called Making It Against the Odds. You got to have a reason. On the road, when I was pursuing becoming a motivational speaker and there were nobody on the stage to look like me, I just remember over and over again when times got hard, when I was sleeping on the floor of the Penobscot building and bathing in the sink down the hall at the Penobscot building and pursuit of my dream to become a nationally known motivational speaker and around the world, I thought about the fact that I was doing it to take care of my mother. I promised her, Mama, you'll never go into a nursing home. I promised her, Mama, I'm going to buy you a home. And I did that. Both of those. 
What is it? Who is it that you love? Who is it you want to be there for that if something happened to them, you want to do more than just pray for them. You want to be able to come through for them. You want to deliver for them. You have to have that compelling reason. Nietzsche said, if you know the why for living, you can endure almost anyhow. And when we come back, I'm going to talk to you about this, and I want you to write this down. There's niches, there's riches in niches. There's riches in niches. Johnny's Johnson decided to create a high-class magazine, and he decided just to focus on that. And he was able to build a $400 million empire from a $500 loan from his mother. We'll be right back. You're listening to Succeeding Against the uh, well, The book is called Succeeding Against the Odds by John H. Johnson. You're listening to you got to be hungry, but Les Brown on KBLA Talk 1580. Start to your day. Broadcasting live from Lower Park, USA. USA. Welcome USA. back to your home for unapologetically progressive radio. KBLA Talk 1580. You're listening to You've Got to Be Hungry with Les Brown. Uh, his radio residency all month long exclusively here on KBLA Talk 1580. Today's theme is It's Worth It. Um, you asked us to write this down, Les Brown, and we did. Uh, and so now we want you to unpack it for us when you say there are riches in niches. Yes. John H. Johnson decided that he was, well, first of all, he said he, he, he was not interested in going into publishing. He said he just wanted to make a living. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and he saw that he could make a living in the publishing business and holding himself to a higher standard than most people. This is something that all business people and all professionals need to memorize this, and it has been a guiding post for me. Write this down. There's no defense against an excellence that meets a pressing public need. There's no defense against an excellence that meets a pressing public need. When I heard him say that, there was something else he backed it up with. He said, don't just think about going into a niche, going into a market. He said, Think in terms, and I want everybody to write this now. Think in terms of dominated. You want to dominate it. My goal was when I came into the motivational speaking industry was not just to be a speaker of the National Speakers Association, over 3,000 speakers and Toastmasters, over 300,000. I wanted to be the speaker. What, What allows you to do that? You have to look at the competition And you have to look at yourself and say, what is it I bring to the table that they don't have? They were speaking from think and grow rich, giving information. I said it before and I said it again. If information could change people, everybody would be skinny, rich, and happy. I came in talking about my mother and my wanting to buy her a home. You want to learn how whenever you communicate, and I want you to write this down, speak from your heart. Mm. Words that come from your heart, they go to the heart. You don't want to speak from a mind space. The other thing that made me stand out from them was create a significant emotional event with your story, with your knowledge, the things that you're doing. Never make a point without a story. Never tell a story without a point. The other thing that's very important When you look at making yourself stand out and dominating the marketplace, hold yourself to a standard 
that you provide more service than you get paid for. Mm. Don't allow what you want to say or what you want to do get in the way of what your customer tells you that they want. You want to meet that and go beyond that so that you stand out in their minds. 95% of, of my speaking engagements come about because of repeat business and referral business. And that defeats what, what he calls the cancer of racism. He said, when you hold yourself to a higher standard, when you're willing to provide more service than you get paid for, when you look for ways that you can crush the competition and do market takeaways, you get repeat business and referral business. And that's how he built his $400 million empire from $500 loan. There's something else that he said that's very important. He said, you have to be strong enough to know when you're wrong and make changes and put yourself in a position to grow and to win. Mm. And a lot of people, because of ego, ego means edging God out, they allow their ego to get in the way, even when they make mistakes and, and, and they don't have the results that they want they continue to do the same thing einstein said insanity is doing the same thing over and over again expecting a different outcome be willing to admit hey i made a mistake and then do something different take it in another direction what would you like to ask me Mm, a lot to ask you um a lot to interrogate here let me start with this um moments ago you mentioned that most of us if we're being honest um for those of us who have experienced any level of success uh, will admit that uh, we failed our way to success. Um, I think of Michael Jordan, or for that matter, LeBron James, who set this record last night. Um, you think of all the shots LeBron made, but think of all the shots LeBron has missed on his way to setting this record. Um, Babe Ruth, I think of all the home runs he hit, or Hank Aaron, all the home runs he hit, but think of all the times they struck out. Um, anybody who's successful, less, uh, if they're being honest, will admit to you uh, that they failed their way up. And yet we live in a world where people don't want to fail. They are afraid of failure. Um, people oftentimes fail at something and then they get frozen. Um, so I wonder if you might unpack this notion of um, failing our way to success. That's the purpose of having a compelling reason to keep you going. Nobody wants to fail. Nobody wants to be rejected. Nobody wants to have setbacks and failures and doors slammed in their face. But when you reflect of why am I here? Why am I doing this? When you're doing something that's in your heart, when you have somebody that's depending upon you, your mother, your father, your children, or just you're deciding, I want to live a life that matters. Mm. You're willing to face the challenges of life and you have to push yourself through it. And failure, and, and, and I love what he said. He said that, that success is not final, failure is not fatal. Mm -hmm. And he said it is the courage to continue that counts. And, and, and what he said that, that I love very much, he said, your opposition is not important. You're maintaining the determination and the drive to push forward again and again and again until you break through. 
You've done that. I've done that. And many people that are listening right now. And this is what the masses have done. The, the indoctrination system that we have, we don't have an educational system. The indoctrination system that we have, we are groomed to have fear of failure. I used to be a state legislator, and I remember debating against a guy named Odd Wilkowski from Toledo. Mm -hmm. And when I raised my hand to question some legislation that he wanted to amend that I put on the floor, people said, look, you don't want to argue with him. This guy will embarrass you. He's an attorney, and he's fierce. No one challenges him. I said, well, he's going to get challenged today. <laughs> and I did, and he wiped the floor up with me. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason he wiped the floor up with me, he took me to a place that I was unfamiliar. I didn't know that I didn't know, and I thought I knew. What I did, I didn't see it as a defeat. I studied. I watched him. I became familiar with this legislation. I developed the ability to argue on both sides of the legislation. I went to committees that he was the chairman of, and I watched them. And then the next time when he introduced the legislation, and I raised my hand, and the Speaker, Neil, the, the, the Speaker of the House said, Mr. Brown, representative from the 29th House District, I'd like to challenge Mr. Wilkowski. And when I did, we went toe-to-toe, -to -toe, and he saw I was about to defeat him. He said, Mr. Speaker, can I talk to the gentleman outside for a moment? Can we take a 10-minute break? And I said, no, we're going to do this now. They had some black kids sitting up in the, in the balcony. I was ready to show off now. <laughs> and, 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 and of the brother from Dayton, Ohio, his name, is, uh, his name was Mac Lynn. And Maglin said, Mr. Brown, I said, yes, sir. He said, listen, young boy, if you can get a man's attention by tapping him on the shoulder, why knock him in the mouth? Mm. He said, he will have to fight you even if he doesn't want to. And he might get in a lucky punch. Talk to him. And you might be able to work something out. And now he owes you. And I said, thank you, sir. And I remember something else he said. He said, a young broom sweep clean, but old broom nowhere to go. <laughs> so, so, did, so, so, did, so, did, so outside, did you step outside? Yeah, you stepped outside, yeah. Yes, I did. Yeah. And worked it out and came in. And we became very good friends. He supported my legislation. I supported his. And I passed 14 bills my first term because I was willing to listen and, and get some coaching. We don't know everything. We're going to have some setbacks. But what Mr. Johnson believed, he believed in education, understanding, and this is something else, strategic relationships. Because of his strategic relationship with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., that gave credibility. I want people to write this down. Borrowed credibility. That gave credibility to Ebony Magazine to the Negro Digest, to Jet Magazine, and it put his success on steroids, and he was able to employ over 2,600 people. I know this book well. It's one of my favorite books. It's hard to find these days. Um, there are copies around, but if you can ever um, go online and find somebody selling a copy of his book, Succeeding Against the Odds. It's a powerful book written by, as Les said, John H. Johnson, the founder of Ebony and Jet Magazines, who went on to create a huge fortune. But the book is called Succeeding Against the Odds. I know it well because I knew Mr. Johnson well, and I would never go to Chicago 
while he lived without going uh, to have lunch with him uh, in his executive office at the top of the Johnson Tower on Michigan Avenue. Uh, I was honored, uh, as Les may know, um, to be one of the three eulogists at the funeral of John H. Johnson, uh, one of the great honors of my life. So I know him well. I know his book well. I know this story well. And the thing I want to come back to, Les, having said all that, is that what John H. Johnson had was a mother who believed in him. Um, she had been a domestic her entire life, and the only thing that she owned was the furniture in her home. And the way she got that $500 to loan to give to her son was to essentially to mortgage her furniture. She had to basically mortgage her furniture, the only thing that she owned, to get $500. She gave that $500 to John H. Johnson, and as you said, the rest is history. There's a lot in that story, but the rest ultimately is history. But John H. Johnson's mother believed in him enough to give him the only thing that she owned in the entire world. Uh, there are people who feel, uh, I suspect, that while they have a great idea, while they are uh, feel empowered to do what they've been called to do, they don't have someone in their corner. They don't have somebody rooting for them. Uh, and oftentimes that makes people doubt themselves. What say you about that? And there's a scripture that says you have to encourage yourself. Mm -hmm. When... I was diagnosed with fourth stage cancer and Dr. Alfred Golson, very brilliant brother who graduated from Howard university. He said to me, Mr. Brown is, it is metastasized to seven different areas. And I smiled. He said, why are you smiling? I said, man, seven is my lucky number. Mm. I said, is there anything else? He said, yes. I said, what? He said, and you're ugly too. <laughs> 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 and I said, man, this is serious. And then he said, he disrupted my thinking. He said, I determine the diagnosis. You and God determines the prognosis. He said, you determine how you're going to deal with this. I didn't know anybody who had been identified with fourth stage cancer that had metastasized in seven different areas. And I read something in the biology of hope by Norman Cousins when I was doing research. He said, don't deny it, be defiant. Mm. And I just was defiant. And as a result, here I am 30 years later and received the Cancer Center's Award of Perseverance of fourth stage cancer 30 years later because I was defiant. Nothing tastes as good as health feels. I was defiant. There's something I'm supposed to do before I leave here. I was defiant. Mm -hmm. Stand up for what you believe in because you can fall for anything. I have a reason for being here. I was born and preserved for such a time as this, and I'm not going to let some little punk called cancer take me out. You're listening to You've Got to Be Hungry with Les Brown on KBLA Talk 15. This is KBLA Talk 1580, where hate meets a scholarly match. Hey, hey, hey. You're listening to You've Got to Be Hungry with Les Brown, exclusively on KBLA Talk 1580. Les Brown continues his uh, all-Black History Month long radio residency on this station. Uh, today's topic is uh, It's Worthwhile. Uh, we are talking, have been talking about the story of the iconic John H. Johnson, who founded Ebony and Jet Magazines, along with a number of other uh, uh, businesses, and did quite well uh, after convincing his mother to loan him $500, uh, with which he bought paper uh, envelopes and stamps and sent out a letter uh, 
to black folk all across the country whose uh, uh, email addresses, I mean, whose uh, mailing addresses, there were no email back then, whose mailing addresses he had because he worked at an insurance company. And he took the, the addresses that he had access to at this insurance company with the approval of the owner of that company, of course, and sent out letters to black folk across the country who had insurance policies and said to them, I'm paraphrasing here, uh, a friend of yours told me that you would love receiving a magazine every month about the exploits, about the contributions and the successes, the achievements of African-American people. And uh, if, uh, if I've heard correctly, uh, why don't you subscribe to my magazine, Negro Digest, and uh, we'll start feeding you copies of it every month. Uh, and that letter raised a significant amount of money for John H. Johnson. He took that money and started Negro Digest, which eventually became Jet Magazine, and then along came Ebony Magazine, and he builds a multi-hundred million dollar empire uh, off the ingenuity and the creativity of that letter that he wrote uh, with the $500 he convinced his mother to loan him, and the rest, as they say, is history. It's quite the story of black entrepreneurship. Um, and less, as you were telling that story earlier, you were making the point that each of us has to hold ourselves to a higher standard. Uh, what's that mean for you exactly, to hold ourselves to a higher standard? Mr. Johnson's philosophy about life and business was, if you provide a good product, and if you continuously look for ways to better your best, you're going to keep customers, and you're going to attract new customers. Mm -hmm. The other thing that he believed in, that we have to be versatile and adaptable. Expand your vision. Don't be one-dimensional. It's a poor rat that only have one hole to get some cheese out of. <laughs> we are living in a world today that we have the ability, we have access to information, that we can create multiple streams of what I call non-performance income. And we should be about the business of learning that. But here's something else he believed. He believed if you take care of your people, your people will take care of you. Take care of the people that are working with your customers. Based upon how you treat them, that will determine how your people, your team, the people that are working for you, treat your customers. They are your internal customers, and they will treat your external customers like crap if you treat them like crap. But if you hold yourself to a higher standard on how you treat them, mm. it will show up in the experience that they create for the people that want to spend money with you. You also said earlier uh, that one of the keys to success um, in the entrepreneurial lane um, is to uh, offer more service uh, to your customers than you are being paid for. Provide a, a greater and better service, uh, additional service, um, for which you are not necessarily being paid. Um, I, I've been thinking about that since you said it because we live in a world, as you well know, where people don't want to be disrespected, they don't want to be exploited. Uh, put another way, you ain't getting over on me. Uh, and so that 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 notion of providing more service uh, than you get paid for, I think, is foreign to a lot of people in service sectors today. Les Brown and people who don't think like that have skinny children mm. <laughs> <laughs> and small waistlines. <laughs> See, when you look at where we are now, mm -hmm. and, and, and employers have options. They can hire you, or they can <laughs> have a virtual assistant in the Philippines and pay <laughs> a dime on the dollar what they pay you. 
this is a different world that we're in right now. And so today, the people that are going to make it, and here's something I, I'm, I'm very much and convinced that had I learned this earlier, I could have made my first million faster. It took me three years to do it. Mm-hmm. That you can't help everybody. Mm. You remember that movie, Jerry Maguire? Sure. And, and he said, help me to help you. Most people won't participate in their own rescue. And so it's important for us to know what the principles and the rules of success are and honor those. And people who are not willing to step up and provide service beyond that which they're paid for, that's them. That's their call. A person convinced against the will is of the same opinion still. I believe in work with the willing, the people that are coachable, the people that are willing to take direction and leverage your experience and your wisdom. People say experience is, is the best teacher. No. Wisdom is the best teacher. You don't want to make all the mistakes. You want to have a relationship with someone that can teach you some things that you don't know. Most people failing today because of ignorance and their unwillingness to change. Let's go back to this notion you raised earlier. You raised it, didn't get a chance really to unpack it, um, but let's do it now. And that is this notion of borrowed credibility, borrowed credibility. Um, every one of us, when we are starting out, um, uh, relies on someone, typically, uh, to help us learn the ropes, uh, to help us advance, to help us grow. Uh, none of us does it alone. And if you think you do it by yourself, then you're you're stuck on stupid, right? Uh, none of us does it on our own. Uh, but this notion of borrowed credibility is fascinating um, to me uh, because I, I've experienced that in my own life, in my own career, where when you're getting into a particular arena, a particular area uh, that you haven't uh, succeeded in heretofore, um, Partnering with someone or, or borrowing somebody else's credibility as you build your own can be key to your success. I wonder if you'd say more than less about this notion of borrowed credibility. Dr. Norman Vincent Peale wrote the book, The Power of Positive Thinking, and that opened up the industry. That built the industry of self-development and motivation. He saw me speak at an event, and he said, young man, you're very good. You have a rare gift. He said, is there anything I could do to help you? I said, yes, sir. I said, but tell me, what can I do to serve you? And I believe you give before you ask. And he mm. said, well, I'm speaking at another conference. Would you open for me? I said, I'll be honored, sir. And then he said, now, what can I do for you? I said, well, I've called several speakers bureaus over 25 to 30, and they won't care of me. They don't tell me, but it's because of the fact that I have the wrong paint job. <laughs> so he called those speakers bureaus and he said, listen, there's a young man, his name is Les Brown and he needs to be in your magazine. And I'm not going to allow you to put me in there until you put him in there. Mm. I'm just telling you up front. And they burned my phone up. (laughs) 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 Dr. Norman Vincent Peale said that you have a rare gift and that you need to be in our publication. And and we're going to put you in there. Please send us your resume, your promo video. And during that time, I had to send them an (laughs) 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 A-track. And your picture, we will put you in there. 
borrowed credibility because Dr. Norman Vincent Peale, the author of Power, the Power of Positive Thinking, which originally was called the, the, the Power of Faith, because he said that I was good and had a rare gift. That opened doors for me that I couldn't open myself. Mm, none greater than Norman Vincent Peale. If you're going to borrow somebody's credibility, you went to the right person. Uh, when we come forward, um, this notion that Les raised earlier of speaking from your heart, it sounds simple enough, sounds like um, uh, good advice. Uh, and yet that's not easy for every one of us to speak from our hearts. We'll interrogate that when we come forward in this conversation entitled It's, uh, it's, uh, it's Worth It. Uh, you're listening to Les Brown. And you've got to be hungry on KBLA Talk 1580. Conversations that matter. matter. You're listening to Tavis Smiley on KBLA Talk 1580. Les Brown, speaking from the heart is a lot easier said than done, sir. It most certainly is. But I want to ask you something, and I already know the answer to this. Who's been the most influential person in your life? In my life? Yes. My mother. Yes. And what is your mother's name? Joyce Smiley. Got it. Now, I want you to use an adjective, and I want you to use an example. What's the first quality that you admire about your mother, Joyce Smiley? Her unconditional love. Got it. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to look at your life, look at your goals and dreams right now. And a lot of people will ask me, what costs you, given all the stuff that you've gone through, people coming out against you, people falsely accusing you of all kind of stuff, what is it that allows you to have that kind of determination and, and, and passion and drive to still make a difference in people? And, and be able to put yourself in a position that you can be a, a voice for people. And ladies and gentlemen, I can tell you, her name is Joyce Smiley. That's my mother. And my mother taught me unconditional love. Because it doesn't matter what you do to me. It doesn't matter what you say about me. What matters most is what I say about myself. And I made a lot of mistakes in my life. And when I was a kid, I went through a lot of stuff and I caused her some heartaches and, and some tears as all of us do when we're coming up and we're young, dumb, and stupid. But my mother, she had unconditional love. She loved me no matter what. And during the times when life had me on the ropes, I thought about that unconditional love, which is a part of my character, and I decided to start KBLA Talk. It's designed to teach us how to love ourselves. It's the time, it's designed to help us to elevate our thoughts and our dreams and expand our visions of what's possible. It's designed to review, to reverse all the things that we go through every day, being in a culture that demonize us, that dismiss us. Oh, yes, if you want to make it in this thing called life. It's very important to have unconditional love. God is love. And he who dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in them. I'm Joyce Smiley's boy. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. 
nicely done. Don't mess with me. Nicely done. Um, <laughs> when you <laughs> you had no guests like me, and I know she listened to both of us, and she's happy. <laughs> yeah. When, when you said earlier that there are riches in niches, uh, I want to unpack that a bit more before I, uh, before we wrap this at the top of the hour here. Uh, when we come forward, we'll come right to this notion of riches in niches and this notion that some people um, are afraid to uh, launch whatever idea they have because they think that everything's been done already. I've had that conversation more than once in my life uh, where you have an idea, you say, uh, that's not, you know, somebody's already done that. Uh, every one of us has thoughts from time to time about something we might even want to invent. And we pull ourselves back from it because we think it's already been done. Everything's already been done. Uh, and yet, uh, less is suggesting to us, even still, today, there are riches in niches. If you can find the right niche, uh, perhaps you can get rich. We'll unpack that in our final moments with Les Brown when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. Interrogating your assumptions and expanding your inventory of ideas. Let's get back to Tavis Smiley on KBLA Talk 1580. 80, 80, 80. Les Brown, what say uh, you to persons who talk themselves out of ideas? You mentioned earlier there are riches and niches. Uh, and if you can find a niche that has not been served or that's being underserved, it could, in fact, lead to riches even in 2023 and beyond. And yet I know a lot of people and I know you know even more uh, and have counseled more, I'm sure, over the course of your career as a motivator. Uh, uh, counsel folk to stop talking themselves out of great ideas, stop talking themselves out of the greatness that you argue is within. There's never a shortage of how to transform an, in, an, an industry. Mm -hmm. It's only a shortage of thinking and creativity. When I came into the speaking industry, Think and Grow Rich was the dominant conversation of all the speakers. I came in and said, You've got something special. You've got greatness in you. And in order to get that greatness out, you got to be hungry. And I told a, dis a story about how I became a disc jockey. The reason that I tell people, I want you to go to IamHungryForGreatness.com is because that's the niche that I've carved out of. Because if you want to make it, you just can't think and grow rich. No, <laughs> the people that make it, they are hungry. They're relentless. They're unstoppable. They're willing to persevere. They're willing to do whatever it takes to live their dream. You got to be known for something. I'm known. My disc jockey story has earned millions of dollars for me because I talked about how I went to Mr. Butterball and wanted to become a disc jockey. And I finally got my chance when Rock and Roger got drunk. And I took the microphone and said, look out, this is me, LB, Triple P, Les Brown, your platter playing popper. There were none before me and there will be none after me. Therefore, that makes me the one and only. Young and single and love to mingle. Certified, bonafide, and dubitably qualified to bring you satisfaction and a whole lot of action. Look out, baby. I'm your love man. You've got greatness in you. You've got to be hungry. Come on, somebody. <laughs> <laughs> did, 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 I still got it at 77. <laughs> I still got it, Tavis. <laughs> did, 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 did you ever imagine did you ever imagine as a as a radio disc jockey back in the day that your career would turn uh, in the way that it has, it's, it, you've reached a lot of people. You, you can, in fact, reach a lot of people I know every day on, on radio. And yet what you've been able to do around the world to motivate and inspire people started, as you mentioned, uh, as a DJ. But did you ever imagine it would turn this way, Les? 
No, but Mike Williams, and he wrote the book called The Road to Your Best Stuff. He's mm -hmm. my mentor to this day for 52 years. The Road to Your Best Stuff. And he said to me, he said, Brownie, he said, you're going to reach more people than you can ever begin to imagine than all the leaders that we've had. And I asked him, why would you say that? He said, most of our leaders, they have a civil rights message. They have a political message or religious message. He said, you have a message that's universal, self-actualization. And what he established for me that I like to say to everybody that's listening, you have to have somebody in your corner who believe in you and what you can do until your belief kicks in. I didn't believe him at that time, mm. but I wanted to try it. I was going to test it. And he saw something in me that I did not see in myself. And I got on the path and I was coachable and I was willing to listen. And then I began to see it when I spoke in the Georgia Dome before 80,000 people. I looked out on that audience and I came back off that stage and I said, Mike, you were right, man. I'm so glad you believed in me, man. I love you so much. Nobody's ever believed in me like you, man. Just you and mama. And I remember him saying to me, your mother, before she passed, she said, take care of my boy. Mm. And I said, Miss Mamie, I promise you I will. You got to have somebody in your corner who believes in you, man. Yep, every one of us needs that. We all need it. Um, this has uh, been "You've Got to Be Hungry" with the motivator, Les Brown, exclusively every day, weekdays, on KBLA Talk fifteen eighty for the entire month of February. Today's lesson has been entitled "It's Worth It." It's worth it. It's worth it. Uh, that's the show for today. Uh, tomorrow, Les is back with another episode of "You Got to Be Hungry." Only on KBLA Talk 1580.